when you do find your truth and somebody shares their truth with you, like all of that is so much easier to deal with than the muck of dirty energy. We have to trust and surrender to the fact that ultimately, even though the truth is difficult sometimes, the truth is only difficult momentarily. Welcome to the Art of Humanity. I'm your host, Jessica Ann. This is my podcast where you can listen for fresh perspectives with artists, leaders, authors, and your favorite entrepreneurs. You can explore creativity and consciousness, evolve your business with the art of humanity. Now, here's this week's episode. Welcome to episode 63 of the Art of Humanity. Today's episode is really special to me because I've invited one of my friends on this show. While most of my episodes are with people who inspire me, who I do not know yet, this season I broke my own rules and decided to highlight some of my friends who are super inspiring. From episode 59 with Michelle Mache to this one with Sarah, to next week's episode with Heather, I am grateful to have my girlfriends on who are changing the world. My guest today is my friend Sarah, and she inspired me recently because she reminded me of a book that I read a while back, and I reread it recently due to her subtle prompt. That book is Ishmael by Daniel Quinn. If you haven't yet read this book, I highly recommend it. If you have read it, maybe a few years ago, I highly recommend that you reread it. It's super prescient for these times. The book has a lot of truth in it, which, as we discuss in today's episode, is beautiful, intense, and scary. But once you tap into truth, you won't want to live any other way. In this episode, we discuss how to develop an abundance mindset, how remote work is delivering the biggest quality of life upgrade, the divide between fixing the institutions and fixing ourselves, and why the real work is in fixing ourselves through self-actualization. We also discuss teal organizations, how to be in a place where we can speak our truth. Please note that this episode was recorded back in April of 2020, which feels like a million years ago, and there is explicit language. For show notes and resources, go to artofhumanity.io. Let's go to the show. Welcome to the Art of Humanity, where we explore creativity and consciousness with artists, leaders, authors, and entrepreneurs. Today, I'm so thrilled to have on my show, my friend and colleague, Sarah Regalhuth. Sarah is a serial entrepreneur and investor in startups, having founded eight companies since 2009. Following several successful exits, she is currently the CEO of Grow My Team, which is a global recruitment company and co-founder of the League of Extraordinary Women. She is personally fueled by a passion for changing the status quo of how we work, conscious culture, community, gender equality, and living life on one's own terms. Sarah is a speaker, blogger, and author of Get Rich Slow, appearing on TV and writing for many popular publications. She has also held board positions on several not-for-profit organizations, including Project Futures, Entrepreneurs Organization, the Association of Financial Advisors, and the Institute for Global Women Leaders. Recognized as the IFA Thought Leader of the Year, Sarah was also named as one of Melbourne's top 100 most influential, inspiring, and creative citizens by The Age and listed in the top 50 female entrepreneurs under 40 by Shoestring. She has completed the Entrepreneurial Master Program at MIT, holds a Bachelor of Business, Financial Planning, and several diplomas. 
Wow, what a bio. (laughs) Sarah, my dear friend, sister, colleague, welcome to the Art of Humanity. Thank you so much for having me. And it's always interesting to hear your bio read back to you. (laughs) It feels really long when someone else is reading it. I know a million lifetimes, right? Crazy. So much. Let's sort of start with a brief meditation. And I just want to share with the hope that this conversation will honor our journey and honor the journey of anyone that's listening. So let's just take a deep inhale and to the count of three, and then a slow cleansing exhale. Just getting like tapped in and tuned into our bodies so we can be present for our conversation. (laughs) Beautiful. (laughs) So I'd love to give listeners an update on how we met. It was July of last year, July 2019, and we met in the middle of the Caribbean on an Mm -hmm. island called Turks and Caicos. (laughs) (laughs) And I still remember the moment when you first entered the van that I just instantly felt a soul connection with you. I didn't even know your name or where you were from or anything about you, but I just like instantly clicked with you. And we have been on such a similar journey over the course of our lifetime. I mean, just ridiculous similarities. And I'm just always lit up and inspired by you. So how the hell are you doing? I feel like it's been forever since we last connected lifetimes ago, yet I feel like we could just catch up like nothing happened. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. I love it. You know, I also remember we bumped into each other on the plane on the way to Turks and Caicos. We were on the same flight, but we didn't know that we were going to end up on the same trip. And I remember, I think I must have been like coming out of the bathroom or something because I was like, oh, sorry. And I had to like walk around you. And then when we got on the little bus to take us where we we're going, I was like, oh, that's the girl from the plane. <laughs> that was kind of cool as well. But yeah. It was, I, I, I don't know if you always recognize people from the plane aisles, but I recognize you. I remembered you. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. I remember hopping in the van and then we went grocery shopping and we were just all this fun stuff. And then obviously we got to know each other really well during that trip in Turks and Caicos. And uh, it's yeah. just been so, so inspiring getting to know you and your journey. And I just, I love everything that you have to offer the world. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Right back at you as well. Yeah, it was amazing. And you came out and stayed with me in Colorado and we had a great time in the mountains together, which was awesome. We actually recorded on my podcast when we were out there, which was a lot of fun too. Um, But yeah, I mean, Turks and Caicos was just such a magical time. And I really felt it was a very pivotal time as well. I feel like it was just there's a special energy out there. I remember having a meditation one morning where I like fully like was reborn and went through the birth canal. And I think back to that now, I'm like, wow, that was like so intense, but it just happened like randomly one morning there. I definitely feel like there's a a special energy and the people that were brought together on that trip were really amazing. You being one of them, of course, but wow, what a gift. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The veil was so thin there. You can really mm-hmm. tap in and see all the stars. And, you know, it was the best place to see the Milky Way. Um, we were in the center of it at the time and it was so fun to see the black hole and the Milky Way and all the planets, Jupiter lined up. <laughs> I know. And that's the first time I've really ever seen it with my bare eyes that I've, you know, known knowingly seen it. So it was a really cool experience for me. Absolutely. Yeah. And one of the things that we connected over is really this abundance mindset, which it's just kind of like your nature, my nature. And, you know, you have a career 
you know, former career in finances and a mm-hmm. financial wealth advisor. And it's just something that just seems so natural to you. And this idea that you believe that there's plenty for everyone. There's so much wealth and happiness to go around and you're optimistic about the future. And, you know, you make decisions based on the big picture rather than a single snapshot in time. And it's this new like way of being in the world that you embody. You're a true embodied leader when it comes to this abundance mindset. And I love you for that. Is there anything you want to share about how you developed an abundance mindset to get where you are today? It's an interesting question. I think it comes back to just that self-work and self-reflection and doing that from a young age without actually realizing that that's what I was doing specifically. And I think about it in relation to money as a starting point, because when I was growing up, like I got my first job when I was 14 and it felt really good to have money because I could use it to do the things that I wanted to do. But I wasn't very good at saving it at that time. And I got into, by the time I was 18, I got into a little bit of credit card debt and I'd always been journaling and writing. And I've looked back and I've found my journals from that time. And there was a period where I felt very like in a victim mindset, like, oh my gosh, I've got all this credit card debt and I don't know how to get out of it. And I was kind of angry at the system that I had you know, the system being like the bank had given me a credit card and I had spent the money and I felt like it wasn't my fault. But I think through the process of journaling and being in debt and reflecting on it and then working my way out of it, I was unknowingly doing that self-work on my relationship with money. And and I say unknowingly because I didn't I didn't specifically set out to be like, oh, I'm going to heal my relationship with money. I think it happened to be one of the things I tackled earlier on in life. And then ended up working with my dad first in our family business, which was a financial planning company, going on to doing a business degree with a major in financial planning and running my own financial planning company. So I worked in that for 17 years, pretty much, I think, 16, 17 years. Oh my God, that's a long time. (laughs) Yes, I know. I'm like, oh my gosh, I just turned 39 yesterday. It's wild. Happy birthday. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) But yeah, it was one of the things that I worked on both from, you know, my relationship with money and my limiting beliefs and how I'd been raised. And I looked at all of that stuff along with getting the financial education. And I guess it was just, yeah, it was just one of those things I worked on and worked through earlier in life. And so it's been a somewhat easier journey, like when we're just talking about money, but obviously abundance is everything. I do think I've Oh, I don't I don't know where it started, but I do feel like like overall I've always had this kind of a mindset of like everything will work out, like everything will be okay, like this kind of trust in the universe and just trust in the bigger picture. Like I, I think I've always had this sense and I don't know, what, I, I couldn't pin back to where this came from that just like even though it feels challenging now, like it'll be okay. So I've kind of always had that but then I think it's like diving in and doing the work on these different areas of our lives to actually move the limiting beliefs and understand ourselves and I've always just been insatiably curious about myself and about how everything works but yeah I don't know it's like a long answer to a question but I get into a scarcity mindset from time to time but I think the first step as well as understanding the difference between that abundance mindset and that scarcity mindset and having the self-awareness to be like, oh, like, let's go back in this direction because if I'm acting out of fear and scarcity, like, that's not going to lead to anything expansive. 
Totally. Yeah. And I also want to be sensitive for anyone out there listening that is going through something. You know, we're all on some completely different timelines and we're all experiencing this new reality in different ways. Some of us are really struggling financially. So I just want to mention that it is hard out there for people who may be experiencing scarcity mindset for possibly the first time in their lives, you know, after having a job for many years and getting laid off during this pandemic. And what are some things that listeners can do if they are experiencing a scarcity mindset during this time in our humanity right now when it may be harder than normal to tap into that abundance mindset due to what's transpiring here on earth? Totally. And I think one of the things that I always remember with anything and try to remind myself, and it's, you know, I've been through depression, I've had a breakdown, I've experienced extreme anxiety, and I fully appreciate and resonate and understand with the fact that sometimes we can't just change our mind. However, it is something I always remember to myself is that my thoughts are my reality. You know, whatever I'm whatever I believe is true for me in that moment. And so whether all of us could sit here and the number in our bank account, could we could add a zero or remove a zero right now and we'd still be sitting in the same chair that we're sitting on for this moment in time. So it's just that mindfulness and presence as a tip. It's something that helps to ground me back into myself and just be like, okay, I'm okay for right now for this moment. And then try to reframe and get into that more abundant mindset because the abundant mindset is what's going to create expansive potential into the future. But I say all that with the full understanding and compassion that some days we just can't find it. (laughs) Some weeks Mm -hmm. we can't find it and that's totally okay as well. You know, I've been there maybe more so, I mean, I've had my moments with money, but I tend to, because I did a lot of work on that relationship early on. Um, now it feels like when things come up with money, it's like I can tweak my relationship. I can, I'll be like, oh, there's another layer there, but it's just not as deep anymore. But like the work I've been doing the last couple of years has been on my relationship with being in romantic relationship with someone. And even my other human relationships, friends and family, like that's been really tough work for me the last couple of years. And I've had moments and, you know, long moments, weeks and months where I've gotten into a scarcity place with that. So I understand that it is not always easy to just shift our mindset, but no matter how hard it gets, I think just keeping in the back there that like it is possible to change those thoughts and behaviors and that we can do it and we will do it eventually. Sometimes we just need to move through the muck for a while first and that's okay too. Yeah, absolutely. And I I definitely want to get into your relationship and talking about some of those experiences a little bit later on. And I, I just really am fascinated by the work that you're doing today with Grow My Team. You've been running this business Mm -hmm. for a while, and I love to hear kind of more about what got you into this journey of remote work and how it's bringing this new like evolutionary shift onto our planet right now. It's it's almost like the perfect timing to have launched your business. I mean, you you launched it a few years ago, but right now people are more open-minded to the idea of remote work and I believe that it's delivering the biggest quality of life upgrade for a generation. So what are your thoughts on like what remote work can do for humanity and and the quality of life upgrades that we may experience through remote work? And how has your business personally and professionally been involved in kind of this shift in our the way that we do work and our lifestyles? 
Yeah, I think it's a really interesting journey as well, which I'll get into in a second, because it's like right now I'm like so well positioned to, I guess, take advantage of the opportunity or whatever you might want to say. I'm just well positioned right now. But I started this company back in 2014 and it wasn't always this easy. And I'll come back to that. But in terms of you know, how I think that this is going to impact the world and the positive effects for people. Like working remotely is just so freeing because we get to design every single day exactly how we like it. And whether that, whether we're somebody who likes a lot of routine or a lot of variety, I'm probably more on the variety side. I think for many of us, (laughs) we love to have the choice and the control over our day. So being able to work remotely wherever you are, Um, however you like, is just such a blessing and a gift. You get to surround yourself with the things that you like to be surrounded with, the people that you like to be surrounded with. You get to work in your own energetic flow, particularly, I mean, the way that I run my organization have for a long time is complete autonomy for my people. So work the hours that you want, work the days that you want, work. Really, we have an agreement that you're coming to the organization to contribute this and you know, I don't mind how you do that or what day of the week or what hours of the day that you work best to do that. I I kind of trust people to figure themselves out. And I think that's what this opportunity where people have been forced into remote work is enabling leaders, I think, to experience the fact that their people will actually step up and step into their roles when we don't micromanage and we don't sit on the top of people. Like, and a lot of that comes from once again, fear and scarcity mindset and that sense of responsibility that a leader or a manager has that they don't want things to fall apart. So they kind of hold on really tightly, but what that does often is disempower people and people don't get a chance to really see what they're made of and what they can actually bring in their fullest potential. But when we're left to our own devices a little bit more, we've got a bit more freedom, we're empowered, we're trusted, kind of encourages us to really step into our fullest potential and bring our fullest capacity. So that's what I've seen in my own team and what I really hope that all of these companies are experiencing right now with just being forced into a little bit more flexibility. But there are other amazing benefits as well. I think about, you know, the daily commute is just not required anymore for the most part. And we don't need to be moving millions of people in trains and buses in the same couple of hours of a day. Um, It's so ridiculous when you think about it, right? And I think the time of day is one thing is like that that's the where we're we've been stuck, right? Is that everybody goes to the office somewhere between, I don't know, 7:30 and 9:30 in the morning and everyone leaves somewhere between five and seven in the evening. So we've got this big rush hour So even if we were to want to go to offices sometimes, that's fine because some people enjoy, you know, co-working spaces are a great option. Some people enjoy being around other people. Some people don't. But why this fixation with these set hours? Like that's also not necessary. And one of the things that I see and that I think about is like, We all know some of us are night owls, some of us are morning people, some of us will have our greatest creativity and productivity in the middle of the day. So if we're a leader managing a team of 10 or 100 or 1,000, you know, why would we force everyone to come in at the same time? And potentially we're missing, you know, 40% of our team's most productive hours are outside of those hours that we make them be in the office. 
and we think that we're bringing them in so that we can kind of create efficiency and effectiveness, but actually we're missing out on those hours because 20% of the people are most effective at 5.30 in the morning. And those mm-hmm. hours are already gone before they even get to the office. So there's the time of day that people want to work and then there's just this even need to be in an office or in a location. So when we remove that, we remove all of this commute, we get to choose to live places because we like living there, not because our job is there and we have to be there. So I still totally believe that there is a place for cities and a place for you know, smaller towns and more remote living, like we are all going to be attracted to different variations of that. Personally, I I want a bit of all of it in my life. You know, I like variety. So I want to spend some time living more an urban life and other times living more of a beach and and mountains. And I like to mix it up throughout my year, but that's, Mm -hmm. I get to do that now because I'm not sort of tied to a place and having to be somewhere. And then of course, without if we can ease the burden on that commute we're easing a massive burden on the environment because we're not moving all of these people using transportation at the same time every day and so just so much can change you know uh, and mm-hmm. I think it's just there are so many gifts I could go on and on <laughs> yeah I totally hear you and one of the beauties of remote work is that as you said you can kind of live the life that you want you can wake up early and get work done then or stay up late work then. And and that really fuels that entrepreneurial spirit of doing things your own way and figuring it out and learning as you go. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that have, was really helpful for me early on. I was just going to say, if you want to go and spend like a month somewhere, you can like, and you can still work. I had a girl wanted to go to Japan for five weeks to do a dance course. And we were like, yeah, go have a great time. And then she just worked in the evenings and got to do her dance course for five weeks. And I've had team members move countries and it doesn't matter. They can still keep their job because it doesn't make a difference to me where they are. That's amazing. Yeah. And I think it's just a mindset shift when you either you're starting your own business or you're entering this new paradigm where you can work from wherever and whenever. And it's, I just remember that going back to the earlier years of running my business and how, you know, in the beginning, it's it's kind of this wide open space. And if you don't have some structure, a lot of people need structure, you can kind of go crazy. It's mm-hmm. like, wow, I have all this wide open space. I can hire anyone in the world. I could do whatever I want. And if you're not a self-starter, it's almost too much freedom. So one of the best mm-hmm. things that I learned early in my role as an entrepreneur is how structure fuels creativity. And at first, like I'm not a structured person to begin with, but it's a skill set that I kind of had to learn because it was one of my weaknesses. Has that been a similar journey to you? Do you have any structures in place as you run a remote team and how does that fuel your creativity? Yeah. I mean, I probably consider myself probably like organized chaos is a good way to describe me. Like I have a lot going on and a lot of things shifting and moving and I somehow seem to find my way in and amongst all of the different things that are happening. But we have certain anchor points. So we have a weekly meeting that everybody needs to be on. And that's just the one bit of FaceTime that we are guaranteed each week. And that kind of is the structure for my team. And then our tools, like our technology and our systems and our processes and the way that we use that weekly meeting to check in and keep on track and keep moving. Those are the things that create structure for the organization. And then for me as an individual, I have my morning ritual, which is pretty much 
the most important thing I do for my day. And that ritual is not always exactly the same, but the main thing is that I wake up in the morning and I don't turn my phone on or even if it's on, I mean, I don't look at it until I've kind of had this time for myself. And usually I meditate, I journal, I read some positive literature that I'm currently working my way through. You know, I'll sage the house, I'll do those kinds of things. And as as I said, it's not always exactly the same, but I do what I feel called to. The most important thing is that I'm just having that time in the morning for myself to connect with myself, to connect with, you know, source, to connect and receive messages and downloads of what I feel. And some days I feel really connected and other days I don't. That's okay, but I'm just having like this little bit of time that's just for me. And then you know, I usually go to yoga or whatever. And then after that, my day can get started. And I'm not a super routine person. Like I kind of thrive a bit more with variants. I get my creativity flows a little bit more. Um, I try to lump all of my meetings into one or two days a week. So I have a bit more freedom and flexibility the rest of the days. But that's kind of the rhythm that I've moved into and that works for me. But I think the cool thing about working remotely and being empowered in this way is to find what works best for you. And I think that's where we all work best is where we understand like what we need as individuals. And we are all different. Some people need a much greater level of routine. And I also know when I tip too far over the edge of like too much movement, too much like going on, too much variety. And then I start to like not be achieving anything. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. We need to like put a bit of routine in for a week or two and just get a little (laughs) bit of focus back. And I think it's always just about like, if we have this kind of alignment, if we think of alignment as um, I'm kind of like putting my hands in a prayer and going up and down like a rod that kind of runs through us. And like, sometimes we go a little off to the side and then we got to just got to keep practicing pulling ourselves back. It's not about being perfect all the time, every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. And the morning routine is so important to making sure that we are, you know, staying focused and not getting distracted. I think, you know, how we start our mornings is how we spend our days. You know, if we wake up and we're mindlessly scrolling, the rest of our day may be more mindless. So it's like when you tap in and get connected mm-hmm. and journal and meditate and sage your house and do all these daily habits and rituals it'll strengthen the connection to source and and ourselves. And a lot of the quote unquote external success that we see today are a byproduct of doing these deep internal transformations, this deep work. And a lot of people don't really see the connection, like going in, like the inner involution to see the outside transformation. And I think that and one of the best tools I have is is that deep work, is that connection to myself and, and really going deep in there because then you start to see it pay off externally. And there's just so much beauty when we invest in ourselves. Mm-hmm. I feel like our inner work, you know, in many ways is the only work that really matters because that is the work that brings us to truth and to alignment and with our vision and with why we're here and why we even exist. And I mean, I mentioned before I would talk through the Grow My Team story, but I think it's it's relevant to this now because I started that company, like I had my financial planning business and I started recruiting remotely. I was like, I want to find team members all over the world. And I found my first one. It was so great. I was like, wow, other companies need this and I need this. So I started this little business, Grow My Team, which was like a recruitment 
company for remote talent that basically I had three other business partners and the company existed to source our own talent for our businesses and then we opened it up to other clients. And we had this little business going and it never really took off because it was a side project for all of us. But I always just really liked this business. And a couple of years in, I think 2016, two of the business partners didn't want to do it anymore. And I was like, I'm not ready to let it go. I'm just going to buy them out. So I bought them out and I kept going. And my final business partner was my ex-husband. He was still in the business. And this business was just on the side. I was losing like about $10,000 a month for two Mm. years. And the wow. last two years, so 2017 and 2018, I sat with it a lot and I just was thinking, what am I doing? Like I'm just, this business is just churning over and I'm losing like seven to $10,000 a month and I'm just getting in more and more debt. You know, when I say I'm losing it, basically what I mean is I was putting the money in to keep the company running, but I just didn't want to let it go. And when my ex-husband and I finally settled our Um, the businesses that we had together and how we were going to do our financial separation, we had decided that he would buy me out of the financial planning company. And then there was this business, grow my team, and he was totally unengaged. He didn't want anything to do with it. And I was like, okay, well, I guess I'll take it on. And we had $170,000 worth of debt, not to mention the company owed me money or us money on top of that. And it was still losing all this money. But I was just like, I don't know, like, I'm just going to keep going. I just want to do this business. I don't know why. And that was my intuition, like hence my connection there to what we were talking about with the morning ritual and everything. But it was just this intuitive thing to just stay with it. No matter which way I looked at it, I couldn't let it go. I did have a period though at the end of 2018 when I'd finally, everything had been separated. I was keeping growing my team but and I experienced a breakdown at that time in around October and then I was sort of thinking what am I doing next and I was trying to decide I'd kept the company but I didn't know what my involvement was going to be I still had a, a general manager and I had about three months where I just was like oh my god I don't know what I'm doing this company is not like a very good prospect it's like losing a lot of money and it owes a lot of money it's not in a good position it's going to take a lot of work to get it up to something good And I wasn't sure, but I just kept sitting with it. And eventually I found, I connected with that spark and passion that I had originally thought of and felt back in 2014. And in January last year, I decided, yeah, I'm going to go all in. I'm going to commit to this and I'm going to do it. And my general manager finished up. I went in as CEO. I had like three people in the team who had all been micromanaged by the general manager who was amazing. You know, she did such a good job of keeping the company going, but because she was so, you know, scared to let anything fail, she, because she had such a sense of responsibility to me, she had a team that were pretty kind of, they weren't super empowered to like own their thing. So I had to work with them to, I was like, I'm not going to manage you like that because I just, I don't have time and I'm much more of a bigger picture thinker. So you're going to have to step up and into your roles. And they did to their credit. They're all amazing. But that was (laughs) a year and four and a half months ago, a year and five months ago. And in that time, wow, like there was definitely an intuitive higher calling telling me to stick with this thing and keep going and keep focused on that bigger picture vision of what this can be. And I knew deep inside me that the future of work 
is remote. I knew that the future of professional work, especially where anything we're doing on our computers can be done anywhere um, and the world just needs to see it. I was like, at some point, people are going to catch up. Little did I know we were literally overnight going to be (laughs) thrown into a situation (laughs) where pretty much everyone on the planet has experienced it. But as luck would have it, a week before all of the pandemic stuff happened, my capital raise was oversubscribed by 32%. So I was decided I was going to close the capital raise. I'd just set this arbitrary date because I was like, I can't just keep working on it. I'd been working on it for a few months and I was like, I need to, I need to set a date and just finish the raise with whatever amount of money I get. And I was short. I was like, I'd raised just over 50% of my target. I was about 57% of my target, I think. And I gave it one last crack and I was like, whatever I can get by this date, I am going to take and I'm going to shut the raise down and just get back to business because while you're raising capital, it takes you away from running the company. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The whole like media was breaking out about the pandemic and what was going to happen. We weren't in lockdown yet, but all of the people that I had spoken to about potentially investing were like, yep, we're in. And I ended up literally in two days oversubscribed by 32%. So the Thursday and the Friday, and I'd said to myself, Friday, 5 p.m., I'm closing it. And I did. So I ended up raising 32% more than I wanted to, which was amazing. And congrats. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, it's been great. So, you know, we've spent the last couple of months just building the technology that we want to build and building the team a little bit and just doing the marketing and all the things that we want to do. But wow, like who would have expected or how it's all played out? But I think the mindset of just, and it is an abundant mindset, it's a mindset of what's possible and it's a visionary mindset that I always stay in when it comes to business. Like I can always kind of see that bigger picture no matter how tough the going is and how sometimes things don't make sense. If I'm connected with my intuition and my truth and my vision, I feel very confident to just keep following it, you know? Mm, that's beautiful. Yeah. Intuition is magical, especially when you're so tapped in like that, knowing the next steps. And when we see everything through the lens of ourself, that's how we can create bigger, a better, brighter future. And I know that might sound so egotistical to listeners, like just seeing the world through the lens of ourself. But that's truly where we're heading for the future of our humanity. I interviewed this man named Jim Rutt in episode 54 who has also been through this journey, but more from an academic intellectual perspective. And he actually agrees with this. He says that to build a better society, we need to address the divide between fixing the institutions and fixing ourselves. And he believes that the real work is in fixing ourselves through self-actualization. So it's just so refreshing to hear these intellectual academic people going through these deep transformations and actually experiencing, trying to fix the institutions and going outside of themselves, realizing that that's not going to fix our world and then going deeper inside. So it's fascinating because when we are doing this deep work, it's exciting to dive in and it's also triggering to dive in for some people as well. It's triggering for many people to kind of tune out those outside voices and truly listen to what's going on in our hearts. Every time I hit publish on a new episode of my podcast, I'm filled with such immense gratitude for the ability to co-create at this time in history. Those on this shared path of co-creation are ushering in a new consciousness on this planet. It's a new state of being with a capital B versus the old paradigm of doing. 
Many of us humans need a manual on how to simply exist. Podcasting is one way to broadcast our light. It's a way to activate our human potential and bring in business. My team and I have created results for our clients like a six-figure deal with Spotify within one year of launch, getting ranked as an Apple New and Notable, deals with iHeartRadio and Himalaya, Stitcher has even promoted our podcasts to climb the charts. We're creating success for podcast hosts from all over the world while working smarter, not harder. If you're looking to take the mystery out of podcasting and want to start or scale your podcast into a globally recognized media empire, go to go.artofhumanity.io slash masterclass to learn more about my profitable podcast masterclass. Again, that's go.artofhumanity.io slash masterclass. Now back to the interview. I think Mm -hmm. while we focus externally, though, we're really just avoiding the internal work and we're not actually shifting things. So I completely agree with everything you've just said, that the work starts with ourselves. And as we raise our own consciousness, our own vibration, as we self-actualize, it's very amazing how much around us starts to shift and change and expand as well. Totally. Yeah. And I think that brings us to these next levels of organization. And there's this concept called a holacracy, which I would love for you to talk a little bit more about and how when we do this deep work, we can enter another way to phrase it as a teal organization which is an emerging organizational paradigm that advocates a level of consciousness, which include all the previous worldviews within this operations of an organization. And this concept refers to the next stage in, in the evolution of consciousness. So I just find it fascinating that we're not only shifting ourselves, but we shift the culture and we make our culture more conscious because of this deep inner work. And in turn, it shifts level of consciousness so that we're literally creating these new organizations in our society. Yeah, it's so amazing. And I think one of the things as entrepreneurs that we can do is attach to our companies. Our ego believes that we are our company and our company is us, but it's not true or I don't believe it to be true. And I think what I connected with and what I believe is that the company has its own consciousness. It's its own entity. I may have birthed it or myself and a group of people or whatever. The idea came through us. But once the idea is out, it's its own thing. And I, one, love that because it's very freeing for me as an entrepreneur (laughs) to not be the company. When you are the company, every single thing that happens to and in and for the company is like rocking you because your ego is so attached to it. Yeah. When we have separation from it, we're not as rocked by that, which is much better place to live from and exist from because Mm -hmm. it can be very exhausting to be in the washing machine with what's going on. (laughs) That's a good way to phrase it. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. You don't take it Um, as personally when you're a little bit more removed. Mm Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. And the way I see it is like, okay, this company exists, grow my team. And I really feel it had a life of its own. And it was almost like it wouldn't quite let go of me and I wouldn't quite let go of it because we weren't done and we're still doing a dance together. And I don't know what that dance continues to look like, but right now we're very engaged with each other and my team are very engaged as well. And that we see it is there's grow my team and we're all kind of serving it. Like we're all showing up every day to do our best to help it become everything that it's meant to become. 
And I do see it as alignment and engagement. And for as long as any of us are aligned and engaged with it, we will stay with it. And if ever that alignment or engagement starts to shift, because maybe we're called to something else, and that could be me as the CEO and founder, just as much as it could be anybody in the team, it's totally okay to like move away towards something that you're more aligned and engaged with. That's okay, because we're all constantly in motion. We're all shifting and evolving all of the time. The way we get the best results for anything is when we're aligned. When mm-hmm. everyone in the team is aligned and engaged, then we go. And when we operate in that way, it's really beautiful because we're getting the most expansive results every day and everybody feels happy. Doesn't mean we're not challenged, doesn't mean we don't have hard days or whatever. But I think everyone would be able to resonate with the fact that a challenge in something that you're very committed to and engaged to feels very different to a challenge in something that you're not engaged with or not happy with. That challenge sucks. Whereas the challenge <laughs> of something that you understand and want the bigger picture is like, all right, I can do this. Like you dig deep and you find your way. That's not to say it's all rainbows and lollipops every day, but it feels like we're working on this thing that we want to be working on that we care about. And one of the things that I just absolutely love about it is the conversations and the level of transparency and candor that we can have. So rather than when I was a leader, when I first started five years ago, like constantly what was happening would be like, I would be so frustrated with a team member and then eventually I would fire them out of the blue or vice versa. I'd get (laughs) blindsided because someone would be like, I'm quitting. I'd be like, what? What's going on? And it really was because I wasn't connected to the energy of myself and the company and the team. Whereas now we're all so connected that you can feel instantly if somebody's energy is no longer kind of positively swirling in the vortex and maybe it's their energy has their attention has been grabbed somewhere else and that's totally okay and then we can just have a really open conversation about it and because you feel it immediately and you can address it straight away and then you can like work together toward whatever outcome needs to happen it's such a different experience because it's not right or wrong it's just cool like something's happened in your life and now you're super excited about some other thing and that is totally amazing and let's help you get there and then let's oh my gosh who's going to come in that's really excited and engaged with what we're doing and you just <laughs> find this like natural evolution of people that are coming to support grow my team or whatever it is whatever organization it is that you're working on, like the people are attracted to it and away from it based on just personal alignment and being in their fullest potential and power. And I think that's just so amazing. Like if somebody's fullest potential and power is somewhere else, I would want them to be there. Mm-hmm. Just as I would want the people whose fullest potential and power is to serve grow my team right now, I want them to be with us. So it's like mm, such yeah. a different way of operating. And it's such a more fluid, beautiful way of being engaged with a team and with an organization. It is so beautiful. And part of that is just accessing this universal truth that's always there and not wearing a mask and not compartmentalizing our lives. And once we open ourselves up to this higher state of existence, life becomes more aligned and fluid and easy and full of grace. And it's interesting because even looking back in my earlier careers in the corporate world, I've always wanted to just like deconstruct and break things down and like kind of just get to the heart of what was on people's minds and and tapping into these emotions. And that's always just been a part of who I am. And it's so nice to kind of see this awakening in the rest of the earth right now, really deconstructing these facades and breaking them down and getting to the heart of it all, even if it's hard to hear, even if it's 
almost like destabilizing. There is this truth and this power that comes when you like rip off the bandaid and you're like, okay, this is really going to be hard, but this is the truth of the present moment. And it's also like coupled with that idea, the fact that there is no universal truth. So kind of being grounded in this perspective, like there is some truth right now, but it might not be the universal truth for the rest of humanity. So there's this interesting dynamic going on right now in the world where what is your truth and how do you find your truth? Yeah. And I always feel like like when you do find your truth and somebody shares their truth with you, like all of that is so much easier to deal with than the muck of dirty energy. And that's the way I feel. I I feel like you can feel if the energy in an organization or in a relationship or in a group of people or in any dynamic, you can feel when there's clean, clear energy and then it, and that's easy to deal with. Like, even if the actual things are not easy, like, I don't know, it's easier to deal with that clear energy of truth than it is because to deal with things that are untruth with people showing up or putting on masks and facades, because basically what you're doing even if you don't realize at a subconscious level, is trying to figure out what is going on, why this doesn't feel clear, why this feels dirty, why this feels messy and mucky. And it's because we're not in the truth of it. And we're not in the truth of it because we don't want to hurt feelings. We don't want to hurt our own feelings by even looking at our own truth. Like we know why it happens. And it's just this fear. And I think we have to trust and surrender to the fact that Ultimately, even though the truth is difficult sometimes, the truth is only difficult momentarily. As soon as we are like, okay, I've digested that, I understand that is the truth, then we can move forward because it's still clear, clean energy. Whereas when we're not in truth, we're just waiting around in muck trying to understand what is going on. And oftentimes that whole process of trying and figuring and wondering is like much harder than just whatever that one moment of discomfort is. And you have a whole podcast about truth. It's called In My Truth. And you share your embodied wisdom and leadership in this podcast. How has your podcast been a spiritual practice for you as you talk about the issues that might come up? And has it been a spiritual practice maybe? And how have you used it to kind of integrate that having a voice as a leader within your company? How have you used your podcast to grow? I don't know how long you've been doing it, but I've seen quite a few episodes that you've published. And how has that changed your transformation or how has it helped you evolve your transformation? Yeah, I think that's a great way of putting it, a spiritual practice, I think is what you said. It definitely has been. And that podcast was something that I received a very clear download to do. There was no commercial reason to do it or really any reason to do it. I just, I felt an instruction from the universe to do this thing. And it was basically, I'd just been having very vulnerable conversations with people. And I just received this download. Like if other people could hear these conversations, it would be very healing for those having the conversation and those listening. And that was it. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. And it really has been a healing journey and a spiritual journey. I think what I've understood is that all of the things that we hold inside, and this is my experience and my understanding, so take it or, or leave it, but all of the things that I held inside, all of the things that I didn't speak about, basically I fed that shame monster. You know, I fed monster of ugliness that made all of the things that I was afraid to just speak became bigger and scarier and yuckier. 
And it was like there was darkness inside me because there were things that I thought if people knew would mean that I felt that I wasn't enough. I wasn't good enough just in my wholeness, in my entirety with all of the different pieces and parts of me. I think there's many reasons why we sometimes justify not sharing things. And I have question marks over the whole idea and concept of being like, I'm a private person. And I think that's, there's validity in that. And I think it's really important to ask ourselves though, am I private or am I ashamed? And if the Mm -hmm. answer is truly, I'm just private, that's fine. Or I feel private about this. I have things that I have experiences in plant medicine ceremony. I have experience in meditation where it's like, this is for you. But it's a very different feeling because I'm not in shame, sorry, as to why I'm holding it in. It's not something I don't want other people to know. It's something where it's like, oh, that's just like, that's just a message for you. That's just an experience for you, which is very different to the things that I used to hold back because I was ashamed of those things. I thought if people knew certain things about me, that they wouldn't be my friend or I wouldn't be Mm -hmm. acceptable as a business leader or whatever it might have been. And so the process of having these conversations, these very raw, open, vulnerable conversations and just letting all of the things out that I had once thought were embarrassing. And a lot of that might even just come down to like something I'm trying to figure out about myself that day. And whoa, where's that coming from? And what is that? And I felt really, I don't know, insecure when somebody showed up. And like, those are the things that we don't usually talk about. But when we talk about them, it just takes all of the power and charge away from them, all of that negative power and charge. So I think where I've come to, it's been a great honor and gift to share that journey with all of my guests. And I'm sure almost every single guest has messaged me afterwards saying, oh my gosh, I feel lighter. I feel relieved. I feel more myself. I feel like I've released something and they've been super grateful for that. So just that process alone, knowing that I'm able to facilitate that for other people, whilst every single episode doing the same thing for myself, has been a real gift. And then hearing feedback from people listening, just saying, oh, I can resonate with that. That's me. Now I don't feel so strange. I feel much more normal. It's just Mm -hmm. been an incredible process. And I am at the point now where really the truth doesn't scare me anymore. And all of the relationships I have now are so much more based in what's real for everybody involved And what that means is I feel the love, like I feel the love truly because I can see they love me for all I am because Mm -hmm. I've shown them all I am versus before when I was hiding parts of myself and showing up how I thought I needed to show up. The reality is you can't fully receive love because you know at a soul level that you're only showing the part of you that you think can be loved. And then the other part of you is the bit that you think is unlovable. So it's very hard to fully receive someone's love because you know they're not seeing the whole part of you. It's like once you expose all of your flaws, your realness, just the truth at your core, you have nothing left to hide. And from there, that's freedom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's totally one of our, you know, it's freeing, it's liberating, it's expansive, it's all good things. It's just getting from point A to point B, getting over that shame hurdle, so to speak. I mean, freedom's always been my highest value and it's been very interesting, the journey with it. Like I've always had that as a word. I've always known it's my highest value, but it started with like, well, financial freedom and then freedom to travel and all of that. And like over the years, I've just peeled back the layer of what that really means. And right now for me, truth is freedom. Like to be able to show up and just speak 
all of my words and all of myself and all of who I am into the room and to be received, like that is true freedom for me. Because that frees me from all of the insecurities and all of the fears and all of the different stories that I was telling myself to just show up and be like, oh, this is what's going on for me right now. It's like, wow, that's freeing. Amen. I'd love to get to talking about your current partnership and how you have evolved and how all this deep work has allowed you to access this new, amazing, incredible man in your life and how as great as being in a relationship is, like it does sometimes bring up unresolved psychological issues. And congratulations on your new partnership. I just want to hear you kind of speak about how you guys found each other and how you're working on yourselves through partnership and through this deep work of not just going inward, but being in a partnership with someone who is also speaking their truth and all that good stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's been amazing. And I think the honest truth of it is I can now look back and be like, wow, I really wasn't fully myself in any past relationship. And, you know, I've spoken with my ex-husband about this. We caught up, I think it was in January or something, and had a really good chat. And one of the questions he said to me was like, do you think you were really always honest with me? And I was like, no, I definitely wasn't. (laughs) And he was like, oh, thank you. That's really healing. I'm like, when we talk about this stuff, like, I don't want people to misinterpret as well, because like we often think when we're talking about untruth that we're talking about some scandalous things, but it's not. It's not always that. I mean, oftentimes it's just the times with my ex-husband where I just wasn't sure about things, where I felt, you know, I would be feeling a little bit trapped or maybe like attracted to other people or I wanted to travel more than he did or just like little things where we weren't always aligned and I didn't know how to just speak about that. We were actually like pretty open and honest with each other about many, many things, but there was this part of me inside that never kind of found its way out. And that left me sometimes feeling like he didn't know me or see me, but that was me. I was holding it back and hiding it. But what I could see that's different for myself, and I spent a year being single, and that was very intentional. I mean, not the time frame, but I knew when my marriage ended three years ago, I jumped very quickly into something else. And the truth of that was I was afraid to be alone. And the absolute truth that I had to face when that relationship ended, which was early last year, was that I'd been in a relationship since I was 15 or 16, since I first started dating. And it was because I was afraid of being alone. I was terrified of being alone and of ending up alone. And this whole story of what it meant to be alone. I had stories that that meant I wasn't enough, that I wasn't acceptable, that I wasn't successful human, that I wasn't enough as a woman, like all sorts of things. And that had just kept me in relationship on repeat And because of that fear, like, and that total desire to be in a relationship and not be alone, I'd perfected this art of being what I thought my partner wanted me to be. Again, that would leave me in these relationships feeling unseen and misunderstood and not being able to fully receive the love because... I wasn't fully open in a way. I hadn't shown all of myself to any of my partners. So I think spending all of that time alone and Joe and I connected yeah, very unexpectedly, like I wasn't looking for anything. I started dating again in November. I spent a good six, seven months, like very much off the market, like very intentionally, like this is just for you. You're not going to be with anyone. You don't even, can't even risk like going on a date. 
And then I was like, okay, I feel like a lot of the initial very difficult heartbreak and pain was starting to heal and it would be nice to just even just meet people and stuff. So I'd opened myself up a little bit, but I was still in the mindset of not necessarily wanting anything in particular. But we'd known each other for about a year and it was almost like sliding doors. We're friends with a lot of the same people through the Aubrey Marcus Fit for Service program, but we never had, I think we'd said hello once, but that was it, like very briefly, like we really didn't know each other at all. And we ended up at a retreat together in Minnesota the week before all of this pandemic stuff as well. And oh, just wow, perfect timing. <laughs> it was. It was really wild. And we just connected and we were messaging all week afterwards. And I was going to be in Austin where he lives. So I went to Austin and we caught up and we'd been joking about quarantining together. And then when we actually started hanging out and we we're having a really good time, we we're like, so do you want to like actually? And we we're like, yeah, all right, let's do it. <laughs> and it's just been really beautiful. And we've just been taking it one step at a time and just being really open with each other and falling in love and enjoying all of that. And it has been a really beautiful journey as well for me to softly explore all of the triggers that, you know, come up from my past relationship. The relationship I had after my marriage was very traumatic. It triggered a lot of my childhood wounding, all of my abandonment wounding that I really needed to heal. And that was tough, tough work. That relationship ended up sending me into this place of having a breakdown and because I felt so unsafe and so triggered into my abandonment wounding that I ultimately had to dive in and fix it, which was a real gift in the end. But entering into something again kind of made me see that whilst that past relationship kind of brought up all of the trauma from my childhood that I needed to heal, it created new trauma. And so I've thankfully been able to gently heal that. And that is because I'm in a place where I speak my truth. So as uncomfortable as it is, I've just been speaking it like, oh, I'm afraid that it was actually the first time we had friends come and stay because we kind of met and got into this in love bubble in um, isolation. And then all of a sudden I realized, oh, I'm actually afraid that I don't know what happens when the world goes back to normal. And we had some friends come <laughs> and stay. And I was like, I got triggered into this thing of like, oh, it's all going to blow up. It's all going to fall apart because we don't actually know what it's like to be around other people. We've only been around ourselves. <laughs> I just spoke it. And I remember the morning my girlfriend and other friends arrived at like two in the morning and we were asleep. And then she came in at 8am and got into bed with us and we we're all lying there and I was in the middle and I just started crying and I just told them both <laughs> what I was feeling. And like, it was such a gift though. Like, and that's the place that I'm at now with my friends and where I'm not going to hide the fact that I feel insecure my brand new relationship might end because my friends are coming to stay. Like, let's just all talk about it and <laughs> oh, kind of it. like have a laugh. Like, but yeah. this has been the gentle process of me healing like, oh, I feel these different triggers and things come up from the past. But my partner is amazing because he's like, yeah, cool. Like, are you okay? Like, how can I what do you want me to do for you? But he doesn't take it on. And it's been really amazing for us to learn and to, well, I don't even think learn. I think we'd both done a lot of our own inner work that when we've come together, we seem to be in a place where we can hold space for each other, but we don't take on the responsibility of trying to reassure or heal or fix the other person. And that is magic not where I've ever been. My partners have always reassured me and I've reassured them and we've created codependency. 
Whereas this is just like, cool, you're in your shit. Like I'm here. I'm going to sit next to you while you're in your shit, but it's your shit. (laughs) Wow. Um, That's true growth right there. Mm -hmm. It really is. And it's remarkably different to anything I've been in before because of that. And I think that would be one thing that if anyone is kind of having those codependent patterns and stuff, I think the time that I had on my own, you know, I had to work through all of those different days on my own, those moments, those pains, those triggers. I was on my own anyway. And so then entering into something new, it was just like, well, I was at least familiar with the process of working through something alone and mm. not needing someone else to come and save me or give me the words that I need to calm down. But totally. I think really when we can stay in a place of no one's doing anything to anybody nobody's responsible for anybody else we're just two independent humans walking side by side and it was something that I journaled about a lot I put on my vision board to do with all relationships in my life this is friendships family everything is like I want relationships that truly like we're just walking side by side and I see you and I love you and I hold space for you whatever you're moving through I don't have expectations of you to be any certain way you know I had someone message me this morning I'm sorry I missed your birthday yesterday I'm just like that's don't even worry about it like I don't have any Mm -hmm. expectation that anybody needs to to remember my birthday like I yeah. think it's another thing that we can really free ourselves from is the expectations that we put on other people mm-hmm. because nobody's ever waking up thinking I'm gonna let someone down today I can't wait like it's just not what we do and sometimes the feeling of letting someone down is horrible because you never intended to and mm-hmm. the feeling of being let down is horrible but all of that is just false once again Totally. Absolutely. It's so freeing and liberating when you remove those expectations and. Like you said, you can hold the space for each other, whether that's a romantic partnership or friendship, just holding that space, but not taking that responsibility on for someone else is like so refreshing and it's true work and it's true growth when you can actually embody that and experience that and see it reflected and honored in your life. So I commend you on doing all of that deep work and speaking so openly about it. It's pretty unconventional, I want to say, to how many people live and how many of, I don't know, like many people listening might not experience life through this lens. But when you do and you kind of rip off the Band-Aid, it just becomes like exhilarating and exciting and you can experience all of the spectrums of our emotions, the good and the bad. And it's quite a fun way to live. It's awesome. It's so liberating and so freeing. And it is unconventional. So we're both on the similar path of kind of just not catering to the status quo of society and waking up to the truth that's inherent in our hearts. It's beautiful. Absolutely. Yep. So, Sarah, what is next for you? Are you working on any fun projects during quarantine? Uh, Mainly just focusing on Grow My Team and we're building some technology right now. So that's really exciting. That's why we did the capital raise. So that's really the big thing. And then the League of Extraordinary Women, which is my other business, which is an online community for female entrepreneurs. We were not originally an online community. We are now. So that was our pivot during this time. So it's been really fun supporting my co-founder, Cheryl, who's the CEO in just building and attracting all of those wonderful women that are in our broader community and bringing them into our online space. Yeah, those are the kind of business things I'm working on. And then I'm finding a lot of joy in things that I hadn't before, like gardening and I don't know, things that I guess we have more time to do now. 
because working remotely is different to working from home and being stuck in home. (laughs) Working remotely for me usually looks like traveling eight months a year. And obviously we can't do as much of that right now, but I've been really enjoying the time of being still and deepening those morning ritual practices and getting my hands in the dirt and doing more like making and creating and things with my hands, which has been really fun. I love it. Are you reading any interesting books right now? Oh, you know, I'm reading about the Pleiadians and Lemuria. Have you read about that? <laughs> I, I love it. Yeah, I don't know. I, I love the name, the exact name of the book. So I read like probably got more than 10 books on the go right now, but that was what I was reading this morning. So I love it. Yeah, we connect over that too. We're both kind of book nerds and read a lot. So yeah, I love that. So I'll share links to the organizations that you mentioned in the show notes of this episode. Is there anything else you want to share with listeners? No, just thank you so much for having me on the show. And I've loved this discussion and this talk of truth. And I suppose the only thing I would say to people is just on that on truth is like it's scary if you're not fully in your truth and you're not there yet it it can be really scary and I see it as like you walk through the fire but you do get to the other side and it is like we're being reborn and it's a new life and a new way of living and it's unbelievable thank you so much for joining me Sarah my pleasure thank you for having me you made it to the end of this podcast this means the world to me I hope you enjoyed our conversation Feel free to hop on over to my podcast website, artofhumanity.io, for show notes or past interviews. You can also message me on social media. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. My name is Jessica Ann, and my handle is beingishuman. That's B-E-I-N-G-I-S-H-U-M-A-N. I'd love to hear from you and learn more about what you've enjoyed from this episode. If you really love this podcast, I'd highly appreciate it if you went on Apple Podcasts right now and left a review. It helps way more than you know. You can also share this episode with two of your friends who you think would enjoy it. Let's get the Art of Humanity movement going. Thank you for listening. Until the next episode, evolve your business with the Art of Humanity. Listen, explore, evolve.